0: Hello, hello! You're listening to NYU's premier student news and culture show, The Rundown, here on WNYU 89.1 FM and online everywhere at WNYU.org. I'm your host, Harrison Vijay Choi. To start things off for tonight, WNYU reporter Maj Hardiker is here to give you the rundown on Pride and the 50th anniversary of Stonewall.
1: June is over and the rainbow displays are being taken down, but for some of us, Pride Month is all year. For The Rundown, I'm Maj Hardiker. This year marked the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and the original New York Pride rally. On Sunday, June 30th, New York City hosted World Pride for the first time ever, with a massive parade going down Fifth Avenue and a stretch of Fourth Ave from Union Square to Astor Place blocked off for additional celebrations. Grand Marshals for this year's Pride included the Gay Liberation Front, the Trevor Project, and the cast of Pose on FX. And commemoration speakers for the 50th anniversary celebration included the owner of the Pulse nightclub. Pride this year was one of the biggest ever, with 657 groups, organizations, politicians, and corporations sponsoring the parade, and over 1,500 people marching, with millions more watching along the parade route. But with the size and importance of this year's Pride parade came the heavy police presence. Cops were stationed every block alongside the blockades, and police cruisers and officers followed floats in the parade itself. The officer stationed in front of where I stood had a rainbow ribbon clipped to the inside of her hat and took selfies with a dog and a tiny rainbow bow tie that walked in the parade. But despite the rainbow coating, many parade-goers, particularly queer people of color, expressed discomfort with police presence. A few signs in the crowd and a few people watching the parade shouted things along the lines of no-cops at Pride, but for the most part, all cries of political protest were drowned out by the roar of pop music and the cheer of the crowd. The very first Pride was a rally in direct response to police violence against the queer community. For those of you unfamiliar with LGBT history, the catalyst for Pride in 1969 was a police raid on the Stonewall Inn, one in a series of violent police raids in New York's underground gay scene. Now, 50 years later, the commissioner of NYPD issued a statement apologizing for the actions taken that night. The New York Times also published an interview with a cop who was at Stonewall that said, If what I did helped gay people, I'm proud of it. The interview was quickly taken down. Police brutality against the LGBT community isn't a thing of the past. Marginalized members of the queer community, particularly trans women of color, face police brutality and violence at a high rate. During Pride Month alone, five trans women of color were murdered. On the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, June 28th, A black trans woman disrupted a drag show at Stonewall to call attention to the hypocrisy of commercialized Pride and read the names of the trans women murdered in 2019. But patrons at the bar of Stonewall attempted to kick her out and nearly called the cops on her. Pride, a movement started by black trans women protesting the violent treatment of the LGBT community, is now a time when the cops get called on black trans women for pointing out the oppression of the LGBT community. In response to and protest of rainbow capitalism and police involvement, many other celebrations of Pride were held without sponsors and without cop involvement, all of them making it abundantly clear that these marches were political in nature. The Queer Liberation March, in particular, was held at the same time as World Pride, marching up a block over from the Pride Parade on 6th Ave. from Christopher Street. The march, held by the Reclaim Pride Coalition, says in the first sentence of their mission statement, We march in our community's tradition of resistance against police, state, and societal oppression, a tradition that is epitomized and symbolized by the 1969 Stonewall Rebellion. The annual Dyke March, held a few days earlier, was incredibly vocal about their position against corporations and against police and pride. I spoke with August Enzer, a recent NYU grad who is a marshal at the Dyke March, about their Pride Month. How was your Pride Month?
2: Pride Month was good. (laughs) Um pretty, pretty busy. Um,
1: so you marshaled at the Dyke March, is that correct?
2: It was really nice. Um, they didn't, I knew some of the organizers mm-hmm. um, and I don't think that they expected so many people to show up, but it was, it was really nice. It was really validating and fun. And I met like some great people and I just had a really good time. Um, I liked, Honestly, I had more fun at Dyke March than I did at any other.
1: How could you compare your experience with the Dyke March in particular with um, the kind of pride festival, the bigger world pride?
2: In the past, like I've always gotten, I felt like pride wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I felt like it was very overwhelming and it was very like straight and cis and Mm -hmm. it wasn't very like queer um, in the sense where like, people like me who didn't really fit any sort of like binaries or like I just I never really felt like pride was for me. Psych March like I felt I felt like I was having obviously I felt like I was having like a good time yeah um, and I was having fun but I also felt like there were a lot of other people like me
1: Mm
2: it was awesome and I felt like appreciated and accepted for who I was.
1: How do you think cishet people can be better allies Going on and not just in Pride
2: Month. Part of part of what I loved about um, Dyke March was that, mm-hmm. like, it definitely it felt like very festive. It it felt like people were taking um were taking it seriously, mm-hmm. um in the sense where like there weren't a lot of corporations involved, uh, there weren't a lot of cops involved. So it felt like it was more in line with what Pride was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the festival felt like it was just like a bunch of like drunk teenagers, which wasn't yeah. ideal. Um, <laughs> the whole thing about, like, not getting cops involved and not getting corporations involved. But Dykemark felt like what Pride was supposed to be, and Pride felt like some, like, weird frat, like, college party.
1: On the anniversary of Stonewall, The Atlantic posted an article titled The Struggle for Gay Rights is Over. And much of Pride seems to take that stance. With most of it celebrating the struggles we have overcome rather than calling out the oppression we continue to face and will face in the future, Pride shouldn't just be a party. An excuse to wear glitter and day drink. Protesting the oppression faced by marginalized queer people across the globe is still a necessity for the community. Though we've come far, the struggle for gay rights is still far from over. For the rundown, I'm Maj Hardiker.
0: For our NYU listeners and for our college listeners in general, you may have forgotten those days where you were touring colleges. That's right, not too long ago, you and your family may have gone coast-to-coast, city-to-city, and campus-to-campus trying to feel out where you would spend your next four years. And for some of us, including myself, we were guided to an NYU admission ambassador and somehow ended up choosing to live in the concrete jungle. So to get some insight as to how these tour guides catch the interest of prospective students, I sat down with my good friend Dee Sharma who happens to work as an admissions ambassador. All right, what's going on, D-Charma?
3: Hi, Harrison. How's How it going? Doing? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me on this show. Yeah,
0: no worries, man. Excited to have you here. Can you tell the people what you do here at NYU as a job?
3: Yeah, I am an admissions ambassador, so I you will see me wearing the purple jacket and giving tours, as well as some other stuff.
0: So, like, my kid, I uh-huh. want to show them to NYU. Okay. I'm like, hey... D-Charma. Yes. Show my kid around. Uh-huh. What? Are you going, like, Dora the Explorer? Are you going, <laughs> you know, Scary Forest, and then you're taking them out to, you know, Yeah.
3: Island? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You There's, like, every tour has the same eight stops. So, it's G-Castle, Kimmel, Bob's, the Gold Plaza, which is outside of Stern, the Leslie Lab, Weinstein, where we are now, Muse, and then we ended in Washington Square Park. And... Yeah, essentially each stop has like I'd say three or four like core points that you talk about. So like at G Castle you talk about like the core curriculum and like academic advising and like so on and so forth. And then you just walk around the different stops. But then everyone has to like I don't know, spice up their their tours. Like I do so many stupid tour guide jokes. Um okay, so the classic tour guide joke is you go to kimmel and you talk about like sports and stuff and you say we have uh, all these teams We're, like actually have really good sports contrary to popular belief uh, actually our football team has never lost a game they're that good and then some of the parents go wow and then i go does anyone know why and they go because it doesn't exist and that's that's like tour guide joke 101 <laughs> if it's like a good group i'll do my um stop at kimmel first and i'll say welcome to the kimmel center And i'll say not that kimmel and then we'll go to weinstein and i'll say welcome to weinstein and i'll go not that weinstein <laughs> uh but don't tell any of my supervisors that i make that joke yeah so the tour guide jokes are some of them are pretty terrible but some of them i I think so i think some of them are okay but some may disagree
0: has there ever been a point in time on the tour where people just aren't feeling it like you're
3: just like Deets, shut up yes that's i'd say a solid like 65 percent of tours i think some people come and just kind of zone out although i will say also that like in the summer especially like because it's hot outside and we do like 3 tour sessions a day. So like it's like if it's a, it's 3:30 p.m. tour, these people have already been to Columbia and been to Fordham the same day and they're like why do I have to be here for this? Uh, and so you're like telling them about freaking I don't know, like Bob's Library and they're like I don't care.
0: I don't know, tell us your craziest tour experience.
3: Huh. This didn't happen to me, but one of my supervisors told me a story about how he was giving a tour and a man in Washington Square Park literally, like, dropped his pants next to the tour and started defecating. Like, he started pooping. Like, I'm not... Just, like, on the pavement. Like, like, next to the group and then what can you do? All you have to do is be like, ha, this is New York City, am I right? But, like, this man literally... You may have to censor this but we're shitting on the side of the street next to the door. And thank God that didn't happen to me. I don't know what I would have done in that situation, but that's a good that's a good story. I think a lot of people think that like this school is like totally lost in the city like they're just like it's like crazy and everywhere and like that's not really true like we definitely have a campus i would say would you agree like everything's pretty yeah. much in the same place with yeah, the I exception of some buildings some crazy meme it was like nyu
0: advertises oh you'll get to know all of manhattan but really most of you get to know like know. the village, <laughs> the village. <laughs> like and this
3: area of the village yeah yeah it's true so it's like kind of the opposite of like what people think mm-hmm. which i think puts them at ease a little bit because they're not just like constantly yeah. going all over the place and, like during the school year too you're pretty much isolated you're pretty Pretty much here. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't go above 14th Street for, like, a solid number Stand of here, weeks no. when I first got here. here. Does your
0: perspective yeah, on the school necessarily change when you are interacting with tour guide people?
3: Okay. So, my perspective of the school, I think a couple of things. When you, like, have to, like, research all the stuff that the school has, I think I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, damn, we have that? Like, it's like a thing? I was like, that's one thing. I will say, though, one of, like, the difficult things about it is like so I mentioned one of the parts of the job is like we like answer the phones um, and in April and May um, April First or whatever it is. We call it D-Day because that's when the decisions come out. And that's like a really hard day because like ordinarily, like you'll sit in the cubicle with the people and like you'll just kind of like get one call every maybe 10 minutes or so. But during that seat, like that couple of weeks, as soon as you hang up the phone, the next call is there. So you have mm. to like keep talking and everyone is either, they ask one of two things. A, why didn't I get in? And that's like a really difficult question to answer because I don't know. Yeah. And then B, I got in and I can't afford to come here. Oh. That's like the most difficult challenging because then because they're like can i appeal my financial aid or something and i'm like nah, i right. pro- not really so y- what do you tell them i mean you just have to sort of be they call it positively honest like you just you can't lie to them and you can't be like oh you'll be fine like you should just say like that is the price i mean if the majority of our financial aid is need-based as we know which i think as it should be and there are like some merit-based scholarships and also like outside scholarships they can apply for so you kind of like point them in other directions and like try and help them but there's not a lot you can do And I think, like, that part of it is a little bit challenging sometimes. But but overall, I think I definitely appreciate this place a lot more. Like, I was telling you, actually, the other day, like, I don't really, like, stop to appreciate, like, New York City unless I'm showing it to somebody, you know? Like, if somebody's in town. Similar thing with this school, I feel like. Like, it's a really cool place to be. And I don't really realize that. Because, like, during the year, you are just, like, working and you're tired and you're cranky. But, like, when you're showing it to someone, you're like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Mm -hmm. And to wrap things up, Deets, yes. like,
0: what would you say to a student <clears throat> who is on the fence about coming to NYU? What is your sales pitch? Oh,
3: okay, yeah. Everyone has to end their tour by like giving a little bit of their like personal kind of experience here. And for me, one of the things that I tell them like like guys like NYU, like probably may not be the school for a lot of you. And the reason I say that is because like me, like I applied to like, I don't know, like 13 or 14 schools, like objectively too many. And it was like a whole process. And like all these people are talking to me and there's like literally like seventh graders who are like, I've got 25 schools on my list. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, slow down. And so I think like a lot of people just like flood themselves with like that stuff. So I like to tell them like um, if like what you saw like wasn't really your vibe, like that's totally fine like we get enough applications as it is so like it's, it's like not a big deal um so I would say to this person who is on the fence about NYU like really like try to narrow down the things that you would like to do in college and that doesn't necessarily include like just the things that your school offers because a lot of the reason we're coming here is being in the city so I would say like Definitely consider if NYU specifically, like what we have and what like you can do here, is right for you, and not just like because it's a good school, you know, because yeah. that's like kind of whack. I think. Beautifully put, man. Thank you. <laughs> I'd say that three times a day, four <laughs> times a week. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Steve thank Shiner. you, Harrison. And who knows? Maybe I'll catch you again on your tours. Yes, if you see me on a tour, shout out.
0: And that's going to do it for us tonight. If you like what you hear, have suggestions, or happen to see Dietz as a tour guide, tell us about it over at news at WNYU.org. That's once again news at WNYU.org. Sick Transit Glory is next. I'm your host Harrison Vijay Choi. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again next week. Same time, same place.